music today for this one. If you want to know if something's true, Woo! who you gonna call? Who you gonna call? Oh yes, we are the Mythbusters today, I'm and we are expecting a cease and desist letter now. We are taking you on a journey through data and time to find out whether property investment myths or things that are often said are in fact true. And the one we are looking at today is home ownership versus capital growth. Now I'm going to take you back two years ago, and I was talking to a mortgage broker who was talking on the show we were we were doing at the time, and this was his show, about renter areas versus homeowner areas. And what he was suggesting was that higher home ownership is correlated with higher capital growth. So that if you have an owner-occupier area, you might get lower yields in that area, but you'd get high capital growth. If you had areas that have relatively high levels of people renting homes there, that you'd get better yields, but not as much capital growth. Now, that struck a chord with me because I thought, I'm not sure about that one. How did you answer it on the show? Because you're relatively new at that stage. You would have been a lot more polite back then. I I think I brushed it away. I didn't (laughs) challenge him on it because I didn't have the data in front of me. This is back in the days where you wouldn't just make up the data to support your argument. Well, right now, these days, I lie in bed awake at night (laughs) thinking, I need to find the data about that. And so we have gone away and done it. And we have found the facts. Now, gut feel, Andrew, do you think this is true or not? Well, the argument tends to make sense to me. I mean, homeowners tend to pay more than an investor would, right? So if there are more homeowners bidding up the price, I would have thought, yeah, sure, of course that makes sense. Let's dig into the data. So the first thing I've looked at is just at council areas. So remember in New Zealand, we've got about 67 odd council areas around the place called territorial authorities. And I've got each of their home ownership rates and I've plotted that against each of their capital growth rates over the last 21 years. So in most of the things we talk about on this podcast, we start the clock at January 2000. And I can tell you, there is exactly no trend between home ownership and capital growth rate. In fact, the line is dead straight. There is no apparent trend. It doesn't appear that higher home ownership rates are correlated with higher capital growth rates. And that's where I thought, well, okay, maybe capital growth, maybe that's not correlated, but what about yields? So do we see higher home ownership lead to lower property investment yields in terms of the rent that places are able to collect? And again, no real trends there, at least at council level, when I'm looking at each of those councils. Now, I know what you're probably thinking, Andrew. I'm thinking, why do you lie awake at night thinking about this? (laughs) (laughs) No, what you're really thinking is, okay, well, that might be true at a council level, but let's dig into a suburb level because you could have a place like Waitomo, which might have very high home ownership rates and it might have a reasonable capital growth rate or a relatively low capital growth rate, but there are many other factors in between councils. Is there more variation once we dig down into suburb level data? That's what you're really thinking. That is exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) So I've run the numbers again on Auckland properties or Auckland suburbs, again looking home ownership versus capital growth data. And again, no trend, no statistically evident trend that we can hand on heart say, look, 
there is a good correlation here. There's nothing that's statistically significant here. And I've done it again with yields. So plotting yields versus home ownership, there is a small trend where yields do tend to slightly decrease as home ownership levels start to increase. But while there is a small trend, it's not statistically significant. So for any of you real data dudes out there, the R squared value is 0.03. Now, that is just a mechanism to see how good a trend line fits a certain group of data. And 0.03 is terrible. One is perfect. 0.03 is like 3%. It's terrible. So there's no statistically significant trend here that we're looking at. So for me, I am calling this a big fat myth. I would not be using home ownership. Do you have to call it fat? Yes. We don't fat shame on this show. Now, come on, Andrew. You don't take away from my point. My point is this. If you're looking to try and find an area that has got pretty good capital growth and that's what you're after as a long-term buy and hold investor, if that's what's important to you, then I would not be looking at home ownership rates within that specific suburb or that specific area. There is no evidence from the data we've been able to find, whether at council level or at a deeper level in terms of individual suburbs, that would suggest that these things are correlated at all. But what I do want to give you for you guys who are interested in capital growth are four alternatives that you could potentially look into if you're trying to hunt for an area that's good capital growth. Give us the first one, Andrew. The first one is proximity to the city centre. So often you'll find that areas around the CBD of a particular city or town tend to go up at a reasonable rate. So you want something that's well placed within those areas, but often you'll find that there are quite a lot more apartments in relatively central areas. So you do need to adjust your growth stats for that. So you do want to take out the apartments before you start relying on an overall suburb like Grafton or Newmarket or Parnell. You want to factor in just the houses and townhouses potentially. Yeah, definitely. So if you look at the stats around Newmarket, which is a reasonably central Auckland suburb, it has got very poor growth rates at a suburb level, about 5.5% per year from memory. But if you had a really nice house or even a townhouse with a new market, I would hazard a pretty good guess that a townhouse or a standalone property would do extremely well in new market. Yes. But that overall growth rate is being dragged down by apartments within there. Next thing you might look at is price of suburb. So while home ownership isn't correlated with high capital growth, certainly I have seen evidence that the higher price suburbs do, in most cases, get better capital growth, or certainly they have in the past. So in Christchurch, we're often looking at a Miravale. You might be looking at a Fendleton. In Auckland, we're talking about a Remuera or a St Mary's Bay. If we're talking about New Plymouth, it might be a Frankly Park, something along these lines. These areas do tend to get slightly higher capital growth than the average. Next on the list, historic capital growth. So you want to look at things that might have been an influence within that period of time. So if you're looking at a 20-year window, have there been major changes in that area of those 20 years? So take Ponsonby, for example, there's massive gentrification over that period of time. And then are those factors still there? Are they going to still continue at that growth rate? Because, you know, maybe if that gentrification's occurred you might see that growth start to slow down. So you want to weigh up the historic growth rate, but also think about factors that might slow that down or speed that up. Other thing you might look at as well is historical patterns within the city and how that growth rate might start to change. So for instance, one of the best tools we ever released on the website were those maps which showed capital growth around a city. 
And what you can generally see is there will be hotspots of capital growth. And again, you've got to go into what Andrew was just suggesting, which is go and investigate why that was happening or what might have caused that and where might those factors also be happening within the city. But it is interesting that, for instance, if I think about Auckland, because that's where I live, Historically, there has been great growth out west. There has been great growth down south. There has been less growth east and north of the city. And so if I was investing, which I am, I would prefer to invest out west and down south, even in areas that I possibly would not want to live myself because of the proximity to the city centre. Some of these areas do tend to be a little bit further out, but they get great growth, especially at a price point that is affordable for investors. Similarly, if I think about Christchurch, where you're from, Andrew, there has been exceptional growth, capital growth, in the northern suburbs of Christchurch, just north of Hagley Park, so that Miraval Fendleton. There has been great growth just south of Hagley Park, just south of the city centre, Addington and Sydenham. But there has been less growth out east and out west. So Rickerton and then on the other side, Phillipstown and Aranui and other areas like this. So you can spot specific patterns within the cities. If I think about Wellington, you've seen pretty good growth out Porirua Way as well, as well as some of those other suburbs around the bay. So if I think about Days Bay or Wainui Omata, there's been some pretty good growth there. So what I would do is look at the maps and be like, well, what are the patterns? How might those change in the future? But again, overlaying that with what you know has happened and what you know might be happening in the future, so things like Transmission Gully in Auckland, maybe the unitary plan, things like that that might have made that growth happen in such a short period of time, but the long term might be less than what it is over a 20-year period, for example. So in Wellington, if we think about Porirua, which is just outside Wellington City, that's been doing really well. Perhaps that growth is now going to spread out to the Kapiti Coast. And certainly I am not a Wellington expert, but the people that I know who live there and are more active in that market are saying that at the moment Kapiti Coast is a big hotspot and it's impossible to get properties there, just like it is elsewhere in Wellington actually. So let me ask you this, Andrew. What other myths should we test out on the show? So basically, because the long weekend's coming up, Ed just wants to make sure he's got something to do. So I've come up with three for you, Ed, and I don't know if you'll be able to get data on all of these, but let's see how good you really are. Oh! <laughs> I'm, I'm of, baby Tony. The first... <laughs> so the first is new properties. They don't go up as quickly as existing houses. Yeah, that's a good one. That's been on my list for a long time. Next one is body corporate versus fee simple. Do they go up as quickly? And I'm not talking body corporates like apartments. I'm talking about a townhouse development. So often we'll see a townhouse development, there'll be 10 units. Some developers will favour body corporates. Some will prefer fee simple. And so I want to know whether or not there's any difference in the capital growth expectations on that. The third one is lower income rentals or, or social housing. Do you have more problems with the tenants? Because, you know, I think the immediate thought is you might, but actually I've got some properties where they're single parents and and they tend to be way more diligent in paying their rent than some of the wealthier properties. I think there's probably some good data I could get on all three of those. I've got a... Well, let's see. I've got a Russian hacker that we use. (laughs) He's not a hacker, actually, but he scrapes data on the internet. And I'm actually wondering, maybe we could scrape the tenancy tribunal findings, pull out... (laughs) And if you're from the tenancy tribunal, write your complaints complaints at Opus Partners. No, reply at Opus Partners, we'll (laughs) like it. You know, I think there are some ways I might be able to get that data in some creative ways. And of course, my friends at CoreLogic who listen to the show, 
I am going to be hitting you up for some of this data because I'm thinking about how can we design the way we pull that data to get enough experiments so that we're able to, you know, say, look, we've got some good confidence. We can draw some conclusions around this. And what I also want to know is you, what sort of myths should we be busting on the show as well? What are some of the things that you hear at property investors associations or on property investment forums that you're like, you know what, I wonder whether that's true or not. Whip out your phone, send us a text. Our number is 5522. I really want to hear from you. I do think it's really important to challenge some of those things that we hear all the time because I have been guilty of not only believing them, but saying them just because you hear them so many times that you assume them to be true. And then Ed will build a spreadsheet and say, no, actually, you're wrong. Small towns do go up just as quickly, which is annoying, but I think important to know. (laughs) Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nicole. I'm going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 